Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck, and I am the editor-in-chief of Cannabis and Tech Today. Uh, very excited. We've got a guest. I've known him for a while. Uh, Todd Rosales is the CSO of Real Cloud Pros, and it's Friday. We are going to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff here, but uh, welcome to the show, Todd. It's awesome to have you here. Chuck, thanks for having me, man. I, um, I'm learning a lot being on your show, much more professional than my own. It looks you guys have an intro. You've got someone helping you out in the back end. I, um, I'm really going to have to talk to Robert about our show. You got, yeah, but you've been cranking out content. I mean, every time I get on social media, I'm seeing your mug. You are there and you guys are, uh, you're really doing a lot of recording, aren't you? Yeah, you know, we, uh, when, when the whole COVID-19 thing hit, um, we just kind of thought to ourselves, you know, we're stuck at home, but so is everybody else. So let's mm -hmm. give them a platform to be able to promote themselves. You know, um, in my day job with Real Cloud Pros, we're doing a lot to help enable people to work re remotely. We're helping people with touchless payment systems, a lot of things on the technology end. But we also realize that we can put a lot of good out in the world through Cannabis Lab, who we support a lot, and through my podcast, Elevate Your Grind, to get the information of what other people are doing, how they're getting through this pandemic. Um, on top of that, we try to put out some good content that will distract people from the pandemic as well. So we're really trying to mix both in. Um, and that's just leading to a lot of people raising their hand wanting to be on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important right now that people can be informed and entertained. I mean, it's uh, it's like you said, all of our our numbers have been spiking web traffic, um, uh, podcast downloads, uh, digital downloads of the magazine because people are at home and they got a little bit of time on their hands. So it's uh, it's pretty awesome. And you guys get some you guys get some really good guests, too. Yeah, we've, we've been lucky. Um, you know, I, I joke around that our guests have no business being on our show. And yeah. I feel absolutely honored being on your show because I, I, I texted you like, really, you're going to make me follow John Lovitz of all people. <laughs> you guys have gotten some, some pretty big studs on your show as well. But, you know, Dave and I at Real Cloud Pros sponsored the Benzinga event. And through that event, we were able to access um, Cody Sanchez, Bestavola. We had reached out to Kim Rivers, right? And Beth and Cody did two awesome episodes of the podcast. Um, and just by having people like that that came on the show, had a good time. And I think, I, I like to think that that shows through on camera that they're actually enjoying their conversation with me. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been able to get people like Ricky Williams, Mike Smolin of, of Altmed has joined us. You know, early on, we had Brady Cobb of One Plant, who has since become a friend of mine, him and, and Rhonda from One Plant. Um, and I can tell you his story, how interesting it is, is probably what got us the amount of views to be able to get the rest of the rest of the, uh, the guests that we've had. So we've been really lucky in that sense. Yeah, you've, you've had some great ones, uh, especially Cody. Uh, I've seen her a couple of times and she was actually, uh, she's been featured in Cannabis and Tech today and she's just a great speaker. I mean, she brings so much, you know, uh, just knowledge, especially when it comes to investment and stuff like that. That's a, that's a real solid get right there. And um, Cody, you know, to, to, I always try to make sure that I, I get this out there. You know, she's a really good person too. She she, her and I came, came together. We became friends during a little uh, tough point in my life. And she's just been extremely supportive of me and, and encouraging and everything else. And, 
there's no reason there's she has no obligation to me so yeah you know hats off to cody for for really being a, a real fan of the industry as well we have uh we've got you know obviously we publish magazines over here we've got a few different ones and we always have celebrities on the cover that's kind of like our thing even with cannabis and tech today we get celebrities on the cover innovation in tech today residential tech and uh people people ask sometimes they're like so do you have to pay them to be on there and i try not to be insulted but i kind of am like no we don't pay people to be on the cover of our magazine we don't pay people to be on our podcast uh that's that's pandora's yeah, I would. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have to like because I want to know what it's like to hang out with Belushi, dude. I, I tell you what, um, we sent our associate editor um, Trish, and she got to go and stay at his farm. It was like the coolest thing ever, and uh, she's like part of the family right now. Like she got to go out there, she got to stay. They went out adventuring through the the, the barn. I mean, just her experience telling me it was was awesome, and uh, I'm a little bit jealous because she got to go to Oregon, hang out, and be part of the family with Belushi, all as part of an assignment. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. So we get to do a lot of fun stuff. Um, you're you're with real cloud pros you guys must be like your phone's got to be ringing off the hook right now yeah man um you know it's funny leading up to this pandemic and and i don't mean the pandemic's funny but we spend a lot of time talking with businesses trying to get them to look at uh disaster recovery business continuity plans especially being down here you know we're headquartered in florida where Mm -hmm. we go through hurricane season every year right and even if we don't get a major storm, there's usually one or two that we've got to prepare for, right? So at the beginning of this pandemic, the Floridians, as much as everybody's like, get off the beaches, get off the beaches. No, we've been through pandemics. We understand how to handle this. We started buying stuff. And, and it was funny, the joke around Florida was, hey, you're not going to lose your power. This isn't a hurricane, right? We just got to <laughs> stay home. Um, so we're used to this. But Dave and I spent a lot of time pitching businesses on focusing on DR and business continuity. And it just goes to show you People don't think about it until they have to go through it. It's almost like insurance, right? Yeah. So once the pandemic hit, it, everybody that we had talked to about implementing these plans and being able to allow your employees to work from home as seamlessly as they do in the office, it, it, it just all of a sudden like, hey, we need that now. We need, we need what we talked about two months ago, three months ago. We need that now. We need it immediately. And we're doing everything we can to, to keep up with demand. Um, you know, we're, we're growing, which is nice. Um, but there's a lot of people that need help right now. We're doing everything we can. We're, we're bringing in outside help. Um, but that's what we're doing. And then beyond that, we've really had to dig into a side that Dave and I are not familiar with, but the payments side of cannabis, right? Right. So luckily, and this is where I'll get a little preachy here. We're in an industry that was illegal that is now deemed essential. And I know that's a quote that's starting to be overused, but they're saying, hey, cannabis companies, you need to stay up, you need to operate, you're already highly regulated, and now we're going to restrict you to curbside pickup and delivery. But before this all happened, we didn't even approach those from a regulatory standpoint. So now people who have dragged their feet coming up with cannabis legislature for so long are being forced to do it quickly. And who knows how that's going? Luckily, we've been able to work with a lot of really good providers but we have to now enable our clients to work outside of the dispensary in the parking lot through delivery vehicles. And that all has to seamlessly integrate back with the state reporting system, make sure that they are securing compliance. So it, part of it has been 
what we've done for 30 years, the, the remote workers and this network security and everything else. And part of it has been learning on the fly. How do we take the checkout experience of a dispensary and move it into the parking lot or move it into a drive-through or, or include it with a delivery, right? And that's something that, you know, has been a, a really nice education for us. So how do you do that? <laughs> uh, a lot of wires, right? Uh, so, you know, it, a lot of it has to do with the software that people are using, right? Luckily, with the cannabis industry, it's both lucky and unlucky, right? With our industry, there's been a lot of people that have been custom, custom developing software specifically for this industry, which is nice because when you have something that's new in today's time, it is typically developed with a mobile first, tablet first kind of right. device agnostic interface. So for those of our customers that are already using either an iPad or most of them are using like Microsoft Surfaces as a, as a checkout register, it's very easy for us to be able to extend the Wi-Fi network out into the parking lot to be able to use those devices. Then typically someone will leverage something like a CanPay or a Hyper, um, and I don't need to pick one over the other, but you know, something that you're going to link your bank account to. And then I know Hyper is actually taking the need to physically touch the pin pad out of it too. I don't know exactly how they've done it yet, but they're now saying, and we're working with some of our clients on this on a touchless transaction, right? Yeah. So that's a lot of what we're doing is just enabling these portable computing devices um, to extend the corporate network out into the parking lots. And then when it comes to delivery, we have a partner excuse me, in uh, Can Current and Canvea that we've leaned on heavily for delivery and then e-commerce integration. So it's working pretty, it's working pretty smoothly? It's so far it's working. It's working pretty yeah. smoothly. We're able to get it. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of the companies were looking to move in this direction. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 just kind of pushed them there sooner than later. Um, you know, someone who's become a good friend of mine is, is uh, Christopher Jensen, CJ, out of Mana Supply. I think you may have met him at the San Diego event that you and I first met at. Um, but CJ was working his way towards a drive-through dispensary in Maryland. This hit and it just naturally, boom, pushed him to the front of the line. He was able to pick up operations through a drive-through. Um, Brady Cabo, I mentioned earlier in this interview, they took a delivery first approach to retail down here in Florida. So because they had delivery going already when this hit, they were more than prepared, right? They were more than prepared to jump in. Other companies that we've seen here in Florida, not so much. Um, Trulieve, I mean, Trulieve was, was all over it and now they're expanding their delivery program. So. Um, it's really been interesting because everybody was going this way and now you're seeing entrepreneurs really having to scramble to figure out how do I adapt my business to get through these times. And it's and fun to being, uh, have a front row seat for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's just the thing, too, because uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. You know, you've got uh, a situation where there's a lot of demand for cloud services. There's a lot of demand for uh, touchless technology. There's a lot of demand for voice, you know, uh, cybersecurity. You know, this is another one that I think is a lot of times businesses, when they're um, deciding what to spend their money on, a lot of times cybersecurity gets put on the back burner and they don't put the money into that. But as as soon as as soon as it happens that you get hacked or you you're hit with ransomware or something like that that's when you always go oh man we should have you know we should have beefed up our cybersecurity because yeah. i i heard a statistic that every business in and i don't know if it's true or not but every dispensary in um nevada has has been hacked at one time or another that it's just uh it's it's 
all businesses are getting hit with it. You see it right now. Uh, hospitals have been getting hit with uh, ransomware in the middle of this. You know, it's just, it's how the bad guys like to operate. And you want to, we want to make sure that these businesses are, uh, you know, covering their ass um, from the standpoint of when that happens, that can really, really uh, mess things up for you. Yeah, you know, it's funny to me that cybersecurity is an afterthought because I think everybody has the same kind of common thought where I'm not a target. I'm a small business. I'm this. I'm not famous. I'm not. Everybody's a target. Right. And the the more less well known you are, the more off the grid you are, the more of a target you are, because you probably have less cybersecurity and there's less attention on you. Right. People, everybody thinks that that a cyber attack is going to be like the Sony hack where you know, you get attacked and everybody knows it's on the news. Somebody can be stealing your information and siphoning, siphoning it out slowly, right? And, you know, most cyber attacks are a lot simpler than people give them credit for. It's not always a group of, of Russian nationals in a dark room somewhere living off Red Bull and cigarettes that are just typing away at their keyboard, right? Um, I, I heard, and I'm not 100%, I haven't confirmed it, but pretty much the Sony hack was somebody figured out a Sony executive's LinkedIn password And because humans have the same behavioral patterns, used another combination of that password for the Sony account, was able to get in and just use someone's actual login to log into Sony and boom, had access to the entire corporate network, right? Um, So when it comes to cybersecurity, you know, people, to me, that's something that you should really start leveraging outside help for, right? To have somebody on staff that can really outwork and outthink the people that are trying to hack costs a lot of money and it's really not a good use of capital from a business standpoint to find a company that does it and does it well you know you look at the pack mentality and someone's thinking okay i can use this big company like a microsoft or an aws but there's just a target because there's a lot of information that can be had in there yeah they might be a bigger target but they also have teams of people that are leading cybersecurity professionals working around the clock to protect you first Stephen Accounting, who runs the security updates on Tuesday nights, right? Um, it's just, that's how it goes. So, to, you know, right now there are so many great managed cybersecurity offerings and, and outsourced chief security offer, officer offerings that it, it's a no-brainer. And it's definitely something that should be, you know, front and center when looking at protecting your company. Um, and then, you know, also cybersecurity insurance, Right. It just when you go with your your business insurance, it's something you should definitely get wrapped into. You want to protect yourself. Um, cyber, back in the day, 50s, 60s, we worried about people breaking into your store. Right now, your information is more important than anything else that you have. Ab- absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think it's uh, I think it's important too to recognize that a lot of times it's not uh, like you said, it's not the the Russian in the basement drinking vodka and Red Bull and and you know who's sitting there doing it. A lot of times it's a phishing uh, scam where they send you an email that looks like something that's official that would be coming from your bank or that would be coming from you know your insurance company or something like that, saying, "Hey, you've been hacked. We need you to verify a couple things." And then people unsuspectingly because they don't look at the address where it came from, or they don't, you know, look at it real skeptical, like they go ahead and just enter their information and they freely give it to the bad guys. You know what I mean? Like they're, and, 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 and sadly it happens to a lot of, um, a lot of older people, you know, we're noticing that they're, they're, uh, very, very, 
um, susceptible to to these phishing scams because it looks legit. You don't know. You click on it. You know. You you type in some stuff or whatever. Next thing you know, you've given them everything that they want. Uh, so it doesn't matter if you have the best you know cybersecurity in the world if they can somehow get through that layer of defense and get people to unwittingly you know give them passwords or or sensitive information. Yeah. Then they can get you that way too. No, it's, you know, those, those attacks are a little bit more sophisticated where people are cloning things that you're used to. And mm -hmm. with, with the, with our elder community, you know, think about somebody who's 80 years old, seven years old, even late sixties, and they're banking for 40 years of their life, 50 years of their life, like physically going into the bank and writing yeah. out deposit slips and doing all this. And then all of a sudden in the last years of your life, you're using online banking and yeah, you can figure it out. But you're not thinking that if you get an email from the bank that it may not be from your bank, right? You know, yeah. you never had to worry about that. You never went into the bank thinking that the guy behind the counter wasn't a teller. Um, so that's unfortunately why they're susceptible to it. And I don't even know if that's the correct word. So just just voice me over with the right pronunciation <laughs> of that word. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you get these people and, and that's a big part of cybersecurity is education, right? So you, like you said, you can have the best firewalls in place, you can have the best security protocols in place, standard operating procedures, but if people don't follow those SOPs, you're still going to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. If, if your top sales guy produces millions of dollars, but he's got his passwords under his keyboard, right? He's kind of a little bit of a liability to the company because, you know, the cleaning crew can come in and find that and, and people don't realize like you said, it's not always the Russians that are in, in the bunker. It's sometimes it's a disgruntled employee. Sometimes it's a, uh, an angry vendor. Sometimes it's somebody who you know that is just trying to be malicious, that has access to things. You know, it's funny. People don't realize when you look at Facebook and you have these posts that are asking you your high school mascot your first car, <laughs> your, and people voluntarily fill out this entire survey and put it in a Facebook post. They don't realize, oh, somebody literally is asking for your security questions and you're posting it on Facebook. Um, in my neighborhood, when we first moved in here, uh, there was a Facebook group and someone said, hey, we should come up with like a kid's directory. Everybody post your kids' names and addresses and phone numbers and we'll all get together and it'll be a directory. And I'm just like, you guys don't realize like your credit cards are going to be on the internet tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a lot of, you kind of have to contradict your, your trusting human behavior on the internet. Like the internet has to, you have to almost treat it like a, a dark alley you walk by, you know, uh, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to treat the internet like the alley that uh, Batman's parents walk down, you know, after they left the movie, like it's got to be like that, you know, you cannot, yeah, then it's true. Uh, people are filling out a survey all the time. You know what I mean? Find out your celebrity look like whatever it is. And, and on these devices, on these phones, people are constantly letting the system know what they like, what they don't like, what they like, what they don't, like. even with their likes, you know, even mm -hmm. just with your, your activity, you're constantly letting them know all of your, you know, so they can target ads towards you. So it's a, uh, uh, it's a fascinating uh, thing that I, I think that, you know, you and me, we're both kind of fans of technology. It's important yeah. that these, these cannabis companies, when they're, you know, figuring out their budget and stuff like that, that they, that they make sure that, um, that they have good technology in these areas to protect them. 
And to take advantage of a, of a shameless plug opportunity there, that's what we do at Real Cloud Pros, right? Um, you know, our goal, and if you look on the website, it says you manage your dream, we'll manage your technology. Um, you know, I've stolen that from other executives that I've worked for, uh, but it's true. We're a managed services provider when it comes to information technology and making sure that that technology is secure and compliant. Um, our goal is to give you a fully managed, secure, compliant IT solution for less than the fully burdened cost of an IT executive, right? Um, or what we're doing is turning information technology into utility for the business. Just like you would with your lights or your water or anything else, you pay the bill, you expect when you flip that light switch, the light's going to go on, right? As long as you're paying your bill, you your IT should be up and running, and it just turns it into another utility for the business, and it's also an operating expenditure over a capital expenditure, right? It is a monthly cost that you're using to operate your business, just like any other service that you would leverage for that business, right? Um, and, and that's what we do, and that's the goal of the company. Well, that is awesome. And in fact, that's a great segue for us to take a break for a real commercial. Uh, so uh, everybody, we will be right back <laughs> after this brief shout out to our sponsor. And uh, we'll be back with Todd Rosales. We're going to talk a little bit more tech. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, coronavirus. We're going to talk a little bit about podcasting. It's Mix It Up Friday. We'll be back right after this brief message. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Today's episode is brought to you by MXL Microphones. When you're looking for the absolute best in broadcast audio quality, look no further. MXL is where great recordings begin. Go ahead and visit www.mxlmics.com to learn more. Hey, everybody, we're back with Cannabis Tech Talks. You are chopping it up with Chuck, and we are here with Todd Rosales, who is the, the main man at uh, Real Cloud Pros. You're the CSO, Chief Security Officer. That's a pretty badass title. No, no, Chief, I'm the Chief Strategy Officer. Actually. Oh, Chief Strategy. That's even better. It's more ambiguous. It, it sounds more magnanimous. That's a cool title. Yeah, it, it's a fun title. I think utility player was taken or just didn't sound yeah. as, as official. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's uh, I've had a lot of titles over the years, but but the function, the job function is always very similar. It's uh, sales, marketing and, and strategy around both of those. Right. And then um, with Real Cloud Pros, I've gotten a lot more onto the delivery side of things and just really kind of have my hands in everything, which is nice. Um, I like being aware of everything that's going on in the company, but I'm also one of the first people to admit I'm not an expert at anything. So I also really like to delegate, but I, I'm a big fan of like kind of the quarterback position when it comes to business and then going deep on the things that I know well, which is a lot of relationship buildings and, and strategic partnerships. Hey, tell us about uh, Cannabis Lab. You mentioned that earlier. What exactly is Cannabis Lab? Um, tell, tell, the, tell the audience what, what you guys got Absolutely. going on there. So, so Cannabis Lab is something that, that's been a group that's been great for me. So Cannabis Lab, L-A-B, stands for Law, Accounting, and Business. Um, it was founded by Robert Friedman. Um, I met Robert early on in my past job, um, and he was somebody that I wanted to partner with. Unfortunately, the, the team I was with at the time kind of saw him as competition, but what Robert, he, he's not competition to anyone really, right? So what Cannabis Lab is, is it's a professional association for cannabis 
uh, professionals in, in South Florida, right? So if you work in the cannabis industry and you are looking to network with like-minded individuals, it's a great place to come. And we put out a ton of great educational content um, from our members themselves. So we have some of the top lawyers that are actually operating across the country that are part of our group that give us updates on uh, the regulations in Florida, what's going on in Washington, um, and then around the, around the rest of the country. We have operators who come through that give us updates on what it's like actually running a company, what to expect from their companies. Um, we have people that are working in normal jobs, bud tenders, people are in charge of community outreach, um, and folks like myself, technology companies, accountants, right? So yeah. it, it, we, we're kind of the, the beginnings of the cannabis economy in Florida, right? Where we only have 15 companies that are actually operating as dispensaries. So you don't have a ton of CEOs because there's only 15 of them, but you're having this economy that's popping up around these companies. And that's really where most of the people that are participating in that come through C-Lab, contribute to C-Lab. And it's really, it's been like a second family to me. You know, I had a friend of mine, Paula Sotenko on the podcast yesterday and she's somebody that has become a friend through Cannabis Lab. And candidly, I wouldn't even be working in this industry still if it wasn't for C-Lab. I had been working for a cannabis-focused company. Um, you know, there was a bad split there, and that's another story for another time. But I wanted to stay in the cannabis space, and there wasn't a ton of jobs available. And through C-Lab, I was able to meet my colleague, David Levy, and, and really jump on board with real cloud pros and build something again. And if it wasn't for Cannabis Lab, there's a few of us like that, that, that lost jobs in the industry and we're looking to stay in. And, you know, we, we found each other through C-Lab. So it, it's been a great experience. Do you think there's going to be a, um, you know, there, there, obviously we know there've been some jobs lost already in the industry. Do you think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be continuing you know, we know cannabis is essential. Uh, the dispensaries have been have been open. You know, um, uh, manufacturing machinery and stuff like that seems to still be a go. But you know, you can't deny that there have been millions and millions of people, you know, let go across sectors and stuff like that. Do you think we're just going to have a nice little rosy bounce back here in a few weeks, or do you think that this might linger even in the uh, you know in the cannabis industry? You know, personally, I think what we're seeing is the business equivalent of natural selection. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's unfortunate here in the state like Florida, when we only have 15 companies operating, those 15 companies are thriving because your options are limited here. At the end of the day, folks are looking to buy cannabis. Now, if you look at California, Nevada, like Oregon, it sells itself. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> like it does. <laughs> alcohol sales are up, you know, yeah. uh, uh, streaming sales are up, cannabis sales are up, vice sales are up right now because people are stuck at home. Right. They need an escape because they can't physically escape. Yeah. Um, so in a state like Florida, cannabis is selling. And I guarantee if you look at the P&L of every company in Florida, they're all, all their sales are probably going up, maybe some more so than others. We look at a state like California, Nevada, where there's four, you know, thousands upon thousands of cannabis companies, the ones that do things well and have their shit together, for lack of a better term, are the ones that are going to make it through and are probably growing right now. Right. They're probably yeah. the ones that are hiring delivery drivers, hiring people to work in the logistics side of things, hiring growers, looking to expand their facilities. And when this is all said and done, I don't think cannabis companies are going to go out of business because licenses are valuable and we're in a regulated industry. But I think you're going to see a lot of acquisitions take place, a lot, a lot of M&A come through the other side of this. And those companies that we recognize as leaders in the industry 
maybe they won't be. It could be some of these mid-market companies that really bootstrapped their operations, focused on their own state, stayed within their lane, did what they did very well, are gonna, and they have a little, a few bucks in the bank. Those are going to be the people that come out the other side of this and be able to buy those companies that didn't make it through. And it's going to be a very interesting landscape on the other side of this. I mean, I expected that to happen this year alone without wow. COVID-19. And this is just really, I mean, this is probably a horrible analogy, putting gasoline on the fire, right? Um, and it's happening a whole lot faster than I anticipated it happening. Well, you guys are, uh, Florida is an interesting state. I've got a, I spent 12 years there. Uh, I used to do a lot of sports publications uh, with all the bowl games, with NASCAR, with the PGA. Like Florida has got a special place in my heart. You know, I, I love the beaches. There's, you know, Florida's, yeah. Florida's pretty cool. But listen, we also got to recognize the fact that Florida, sometimes you guys, you guys go a little bit off the rails. Okay. We had to, we had to literally tell you not to shoot at hurricanes. You remember that? Cause when the hurricanes were coming, <laughs> you had to put it out. You had to put it out and be like, no, no, cannot canes to make them change their direction. Um, how is the market in Florida being run? Cause you're, you're fairly new. You said you've only got 15 dispensaries. That's a big state. There's a lot of population, a lot of people. Companies. We've got oh, 15 companies. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you got 15 you know, companies. How's the rollout been and how is Florida, you know, some states are, are really making it tough for people to get the cannabis and to get that even after it's legalized. Some of them are making it easy. Um, what's, what's Florida, kind of the state of the state in Florida right now with cannabis? Well, well first, I'd like to defend my home state and, <laughs> and recognize that our state has absolutely no business being one giant state the way it is because as this has been floating around the internet there's the carol baskin part of florida and there's the pitbull part of florida right right um the unfortunate part is i think i live in the jordan belfort part of florida um this is where he hung out during his times so of wolf of wall street and in boca raton and del rey but it, it's really an interesting eclectic mix of people down here now to get to your actual question about the cannabis industry Listen, I don't want to say I'm an expert on Florida cannabis. I'm certainly not. So if I get a couple things wrong for anybody yeah. listening, I'm sorry. But, you know, we're a full medical program here. And the initial rollout, I believe, was Florida initially granted 12 to 14 licenses at first. Now, one of the parameters of those licenses was not that you had to operate as a farm or nursery in the state of Florida for the past 30 years. Right. So right off the bat, if I remember correctly, and, and I don't know this, it was told to me by somebody, there's only about 31 companies that qualified for that medical marijuana license in the entire state. So you have 31 companies vying for 14 licenses. And the first round of licensing went out. There was a ton of lawsuits. Eventually that expanded to 22 uh, licenses total. And it got to a point where if you wanted to buy a license on the resale market in Florida, it was $50 million, $60 million, right? No way. So you're looking at $50 million just to get a license. Yeah, just to get in the door. Just to, just for someone to say, thumbs up, yeah. you can operate. All right. So part of the advantage of having that license while there is only 14 or 22 is first mover advantage. 
first mover advantage, we got to open a bunch of stores, right? Trulieve's already got 45 stores. How do I keep up with that? I've got to open at least 10, 12, 15. I've got to be able to compete in every geography, right? So call it 15 dispensaries. I don't know, half a million to a million dollars a piece. So that's 7 million to another $15 million on top of your original 50, plus all the personnel that you need, plus the growth facility that you've got to set up to support those 15 stores. I mean, you're looking at like $80 million, um, $80 million hole just to get going in Florida. Now, the prices of those licenses have since come down. And the one thing I don't like about the state of Florida, and by the way, I have never really put my political opinions out there like this, so I don't know what kind of blowback is going to happen, but (laughs) there are seven, eight people right now that have a license in the state of Florida that are doing the bare minimum to maintain those licenses and they're not operating. So to me, in a state that has 22 licenses and only eight people of those 22 are just sitting on them, especially when we are truly a medical state, right? Right. So you take that view from the politician side, it's a medical state. You have eight people who have been given the right to supply medicine to our state that are not doing so. And all they're looking to do is sit on that license and make a profit off of it of millions of dollars. You know, that is not what I imagine anyone thought of when they decided to vote for medical marijuana in this state. So you have a lot of, you've got a lot of elderly, you know, you've got a lot of elderly with ailments that cannabis can help. You've got a lot of veterans, you know, a lot of veterans in in the state of Florida that cannabis can help. So you're right. I think uh, it's weird how, what, what uh, the people vote on, and then what the state actually puts out by the time it goes through the whole, you know, political meat grinder and everything like that. A lot of times it's not exactly what the voters envisioned. No. And then if you look at the, they made us, they made all those licenses go vertically integrated, which is fine. But when there's only 15 companies that need to go vertically integrated, and then you have to have a company that can support multiple retail facilities, multiple growth facilities. I mean, you're then starting four different businesses in one. You look at some of the the cannabis companies in Colorado that are vertically integrated. They have their grow in a dispensary in the same location. It's all within one building, and that grow supports that dispensary, right? With only 22 licenses in Florida, you don't have the liberty to do that. So if there were 4,000 licenses or 1,000 licenses or even 500 licenses, then there would be the opportunity for the craft cannabis grower to get a building that can have a dispensary and a grow in it. And it would be a little bit friendlier, but you know, in Florida right now, unless you've got $50 million, you're not getting shit. Yeah. Hey, but we talked about this before, but can they grow cannabis outside in, uh, in Florida? I know it's an agricultural state. Um, you guys grow a ton of stuff down there, but uh, can they grow cannabis outside or just have <laughs> Uh, I believe just hemp. So I believe they are growing. I think some of the companies are growing the cannabis for the extracts outside, but the actual okay. smokable flower, everybody's going greenhouse. Every, gotcha. Now that's how they're growing in Florida. That's a swamp. Yeah. You guys have a, well, unique, a lot of them are growing up growing. the middle of the state. Some somewhere between like, uh, Port St. Lucie and Ocala, like in that band of Florida, central Florida. So Orlando, for those of you who don't know the Florida area, about a, 50 miles in either direction from Orlando. That's where the mouse lives. Actually, not too far from where you used to live. A lot of people are growing in Ruskin. Ah, okay. Okay. I got that. Now, are do you think that they will have rec in Florida pretty soon? Do you think the appetite is there for the people? 
So again, and I feel bad being the ambassador for C-Lab because if I had my friends with me, they'd have the actual information here. So you're getting a lot of secondhand information from, from a podcast host. But unfortunately, REC missed the ballot for 2020. Um, okay. Karen Goldstein, who's a good friend of mine, she's the head of Normal down here, a managing director or something along those lines. Um, they had almost enough signatures to get it on the 2020 ballot. And then there was another initiative that was trying to do REC as well that was backed by uh, MedMed called Make It Legal Florida. And it's a little funny because when they shortened it, it was MILF. Um, <laughs> but Make It Legal Florida was supposed to, and, and something happened where they had to recount the signatures or they didn't have enough and they missed the date. So now Normal is pushing their initiative for 2022. Um, so I don't think that, unfor unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to see it anytime soon, but it should be on the ballot in 2022. And, you know, depending on how things go and with the COVID-19 happening thing, thing happening, it might be, it might be federally illegal before we get it legal in Florida. I don't know. I don't want to yeah, be yeah. more hopeful. It just seems like it makes sense. You know, when I think of Florida and tourism and, you know, not necessarily like, you know, Disney World and stuff like that. But, you know, think of Jimmy Buffett, think of Key West, think of the beach, you know, think of it seems like kind of that parrot head culture and, and cannabis yeah. would go nicely together for, you know, for tourism, for uh, uh, it, it would be something that would make sense for the state from a financial well, standpoint. Let, let's be honest, for the mom and dad taking their kids to Disney World, it might help out a little bit. <laughs> That's true. That is, that is exactly true. Um, listen, chatting with you, I know we're going a little bit over. I can see Adam. He's, uh, he's giving me the hook right here, but, um, nah, dude, it's great talking, uh, talking tech with you, talking podcasting, talking a little bit of Florida. Um, it's, it's just been awesome to have you on our show. Do you want to, you want to give a shout out where anybody can like get a hold of you or find you? Uh, here's a good, yeah. good opportunity right now. That'd be great. Um, it, it's nice being on a show that has an audience where if I promote things, it might actually get some traction on like my own. Um, but yeah, if, if, if anybody needs help uh, dealing with the COVID-19 crisis from a technology standpoint, from a cybersecurity standpoint, from a remote work standpoint, please find me Todd.Rosales at realcloudpros.com or find us on our website, realcloudpros.com. Um, if you are interested in some, honestly, some really good conversations about the cannabis industry. We tend to get some really interesting folks on, a lot of CEOs, a lot of people specializing, and it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Check out Elevate Your Grind, brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. You can just uh, find us on YouTube. The channel's called Elevate Your Grind. Look for the Cannabis Lab, which is, I believe, the Cannabis Business Group on Facebook, and check out our group, Cannabis Lab, on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, Todd Rosales. A lot of the content will be there as well. Um, yeah, man, this was... Oh, oh, last thing, if you're interested in checking out C-Lab, it's www.joincelab.com. Um, but hey, man, this this was a lot of fun. I'm going to bug you to, to come back on at some point. I, uh, yeah, I'm man, really we might have to make this a regular thing. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's always fun. I, I feel like we could talk for a long time. And uh, something else that we're getting ready to roll out, we're going to announce it during uh, Chronic Relief on 420. Um, but we're going to be doing something as well over here. It's called Canatech Today. Canatech tomorrow. And it's basically our rollout of a whole bunch of 
um, directory listings, job boards, webinars, uh, free consulting, things that we're going to be giving back to the community to kind of help them through this time right here. And we're going to be partnering with a lot of other people. So maybe we can talk, uh, you know, after we get off the air here, maybe there's some things that we can do uh, to make sure that these businesses are beefing up their technology and those guys are in a good spot right now because we just think this is a really important time for us as an industry to, you know, sort of come together and make sure that we, um, we get through this on the other side. And then, you know, when we get back to the new normal, everybody's thriving and everybody's, you know, hitting on all cylinders. So I definitely love to talk to you about that because I think the tech is important. Um, and I think that, you know, this is a good time for a lot of businesses to do a little, you know, do a little self-reflection, do a little, uh, do a checklist and make sure that they're doing the things that they want to be doing, um, you know, so that they're still here in a year or two years. Absolutely, man. I'd be honored to be a part of it. Awesome. All right, Todd. Well, thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Uh, if you liked it, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Um, make sure that you share it with your friends. And also, don't forget to follow us on social media. Uh, Canatech today, pretty much any any social media platform. Stay in the conversation. We've always got lots of great guests uh, putting out a lot of good content. So again, uh, make sure you follow us on there. And uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you on the next episode of Cannabis Tech Talks.